0: Everyone has the potency to be a sexual superhero. Get ready to listen, sense, and play with the sexualness that is you. Now, here is the host of The Pleasure Zone, body whisperer, Militsa Yelenich.
1: Hello everyone, welcome to The Pleasure Zone. I'm your host, Milica Yelenich, and my voice is a little cuckoo tonight, it's having some dangers, so if I happen to not speak for a minute or two, that's because my voice is changing or something. Something's going on with it. How's it going that? So tonight's topic, you know, I was driving on my way uh, to have a little like weekend away, um, and, and I was driving thinking about, like, what topic have I not spoken about regarding um, sex? And there's a lot uh, that I haven't spoken about, but one of them is actually sex addiction and... Um, And also nymphomania, so they're actually the same and one and the same, and they're they kind of fall under the umbrella of something called hypersex hypersex or hypersexuality. So um, when we spoke a few weeks ago, oh maybe it's like two months ago now, about um, fetishes, it's actually part of the umbrella of fetishes. So it's one that I didn't really talk a lot about because um, I wasn't really aware that it was a fetish. I just, from what I was aware of, it was considered a psychological um, disorder. So, which the whole thing about psychological disorders kind of makes me laugh. I actually studied psychology in university, so I have, you know, those four years of psych under my belt. And um, a lot of the time when I was in those classes, I I was so not present that. I'm actually learning more now than I did then, so that $30,000 education, um, what I do remember learning was I took all these specialized classes, like in history of sexuality and um, history of all kinds of things, like it was more about feminism, and and that was like super interesting to me, and all these other uh, sex-related classes, of course, now I get to talk on my show about all these crazy things that I chose to learn about in university while pretending to get my psych degree. And um, so today, one of the things that when I was researching this kind of fascinated me that um, throughout the ages, especially since the 1800s when there have been more papers written on psychological disorders, there has been uh, far more Um, information about what people consider to be uh, sexual disorders. So one of the very first authors on sexual disorders before Freud was somebody named Kraft Ebbing. And he actually wrote something called, I think it was called the Psycho... I'll have to look that up for a second. But it's uh, called the Psychopathia Sexualis. And so it was this... Study of sexual psychopathy, Um, and so he did 238 case histories of human sexual behavior to try and get that norm, that middle norm down, and like Masters and Johnson and like so many other people who studied sexuality and sex, and, and Masters and Johnson also studied psychology of um, people's behavior and um, what was considered normal. They were always trying to figure that baseline of sexuality out. And so what this Kraft-Ebbing character, when uh, you know, was trying to evaluate, was what is sort of a normal baseline behavior. And according to him, uh, the only thing that is a normal behavior is when you procreate, or when you're actually engaging in sex for the purpose of propagating. So Otherwise, it's considered perverse. So that was the 1800s, that anything that was not for propagation, so not for creating babies, was considered perverse. So with that came a lot of perversions and a lot of things that were considered perverse, like homosexuality, um, then became more of a a perversion rather than a psychological disorder that Freud had sort of uh, evaluated it to be a psychological disorder later on. Then he changed his mind right near the end, and we won't talk too much about him tonight. I'm more interested in Kraft Ebbing's research, and he was really kind of on the cutting edge with a lot of his information about that. And so when we look now at what modern concepts of um, hypersexuality or what... Uh, sex addiction is the modern description says that it's anything exhibiting unusual or excessive concern with or indulgence in sexual activity. I thought that was hilarious because here I am I have a you know I have this talk radio show and guess what I do I do research on it and all these people who actually did research on all of these topics were thoroughly engaged in researching sex, observing sex, talking about it, writing about it. So in essence, all the authors of all this work who said that anything excessive was obsessive and was actually considered a psychological disorder, guess what? All of them are actually sick in the head too. So how does it get better than that? So, you know, you've got your five years of research on sex but apparently they're not sick, but the rest of us are. Only the people they observe. but them observing it as voyeurs—literally voyeurs into people's lives—didn't consider themselves um, in, in that category whatsoever because they're somehow immune to any of their own um, prescriptions of what would actually be a psychological disorder. Which that to me just made me laugh at that. Like, how can you sit back and do all this research. And then say, if, if anybody else does this research, you're sick ahead. Or if you look at any magazines too many times, which you know they didn't really have so much of that. They did have some character sketch drawings in the 1800s. And, and there were um, some type of um, imagery going on that would have been construed as sort of like, uh, not really pornography, but it was definitely sexually influenced. So there was all kinds of you know, uh, and, and then there was the art forms. You know, we've got like the paintings of the nudes, which is completely different than what would be, um, paintings of sex acts that were more, uh, considered pornographic. So anybody who was looking at those would have been considered weirdo as well. So that was funny. And the more I researched on this topic, the more I started to go, holy cow, if I actually went to, um, You know, not one of my colleagues, because my colleagues, um, I only have four years of psych, so I'm not a psychologist. Um, But if I went to a psychologist, somebody who had more years of study than me, they could easily label me uh, as somebody who is a sex addict, merely for the research I do and for my curiosity of bodies. And um, I don't know what's considered excessive sex. They don't actually tell you that, um, though there is a scale. Um, And I was looking at how to determine where I fall on that scale, though I didn't actually find um, any definitions of the scale other than that this scale exists so that you can determine whether you are a sex addict or not. So I guess you can only get it if you belong to the secret society of psychologists. So for today, just for fun, I encourage you to look at any part of your life. So if sex is not your addiction, if something else is, is if eating is, if work is, if you consider anything that you're choosing to be excessive, Let's look at all of these aspects of your life that you might consider excessive and see, like, is it actually true? So for me, I started to look at this and go, okay, so if if it's excessive for me, is that a problem Um, if it doesn't affect anybody else or if it's not harming anybody else? So say, for example, if you are excessive with earning money and you have a million dollars in your bank account or more and And because you have a desire to create more and have more and have more and have beautiful cars and beautiful things, and so you create more and more money, that somehow is totally acceptable in society. Now, if you take that same energy and go, okay, I have millions of hours of sex in my bank account, of sex account. Um, and great, so now I've got my millions of hours of sex in my sex account, and I'd like more and more and more. All of a sudden, not only are you perverse, you could be a slut, you could be so many things for desiring more and more and more when it comes to sex. When it comes to money, it's totally highly acceptable. And when it comes to other things, it's like, wow, you're a really hard worker. But if it comes down to that it's sex, it's somehow perverse and strange. So I'm wondering if all those points of view that we've bought into that say that with one thing it's okay and with one thing it's not okay. If now's a good time to clear that shit and just start to choose something completely different that what if you can look at somebody who's, you know, choosing an excessive behavior whether conscious or unconscious of it and just acknowledge, okay, that they're choosing that. And what if they enjoy it? So, um, I'm looking at the addiction aspect of it because I was actually, uh, I lived with an alcoholic for a number of years, so I'm very familiar with addiction, Um, though I thought I'd like to look at it from a different point of view because I I went to all these 12-step group programs, you know, supporting the family, supporting him, going to therapy, all that stuff. I, I did all that stuff and I never found any results that really kind of stayed. Um so when I came into access and I started to ask questions about this, I started to get where I have these what would be considered compulsive or addictive behaviors as well. And some of them are my desire to touch bodies. So I, I had this kind of fun, um, interesting awareness today as I was researching that there's actually a term for people who like to touch. Now, this is like a different term than... so. I like to touch. I particularly like to like hold bums. And if you guys have ever listened to my show before, you'll know that, that about me because I'm kind of known as the bum holder. Um, 99% of the time I ask, unless it's somebody that I know and they gave me free reign to hold their bum at any time, I do ask people's permission. So there is there is actually a psychological disorder, though, called tushirism, which is like a person who is obsessed with touching And what they'll often do is they'll run up to a body, caress it, and run away. So I don't tend to run away. I thoroughly enjoy the body, so I'll stick around. So I don't know if there's actually a term for what I like to do. However, it does seem to fall into a category where there's some kind of uh, disorder, which I thought was fascinating. So I started to judge my, I started to literally judge the crap out of myself as I was researching this. And it was really freaking cool because then I started going, okay, so everything about that. That I bought that makes me that makes this a wrongness for me. Can I destroy and create all of it? Times a godzillion? So I did. I started clearing it. So anywhere that you're making anything that you're choosing, and like this is between consenting adults. So if you know, and and even my daughter, she's you know gives me free rein to grab her bum too. So if there's consent going on, and if it's honoring the person and it's honoring you. Um, everywhere that you're making whatever you're choosing a wrongness, can we destroy and uncreate all of that times a godzillion? Whatever that happens to be, if it happens to be that you like to touch bodies, um, and then you're refusing to do it, but what contribution is your touch to different people's bodies? And what contribution is your touch to your own body? It's actually considered a psychological disorder. Here's another one. To masturbate. Frequently, whatever, not just frequently, it's like they said excessively. And I don't really know what counts as excessive because, again, they don't give you the scale of is masturbating 10 times a day excessive or is masturbating two times a day excessive or is masturbating five times a week excessive. They don't really tell us that Um, what, you know, if it's. What they kind of come down to is if it's interfering in your life and your lifestyle. So if masturbation takes over, you going to work on time. If masturbation um, and, you know, you choose to start masturbating in a car and you're driving and it kills somebody, that kind of interferes with your life and other people's lives, you know, if you hit them or something, right? So it's really the issue comes down to when it affects other people and it can potentially harm them is when they start to call it a psychological disorder. So in the chat room, um, there's a comment that they don't actually specify so they can pick and choose who they put away or medicate. And that's true. So there are there's such a broad spectrum of disorders. It literally blew my mind. Like when I was looking at the research on um, when I was doing the, all the research for the other show on fetishes, there is a whole section of fetishes that I completely missed and I've talked about a lot of the other ones, and these ones that I found today were uh, sort of like this stuff that I didn't even know was considered a fetish. I just figured it was just like, doesn't everybody have that? One of the fetishes is having um, a a curious obsession. Um, I think I may be wording that wrong. Let me just check what I found in my research. But it's like a curious obsession with a particular body part. So one of the most common ones, feet, like a foot fetish. Um, And some of the other ones, so, you know, you can have an ear or a nose or there's actually fetishes where people are completely obsessed with noses and ears and belly buttons and all kinds of stuff. So what if that's not a wrongness? What if that, you know, that part of the body is really fascinating and turns a person on? And how lucky for them that, you know, a nose turns you on and how freaking cool is it that you get to walk around society and look at noses all the time how fun would your life be if that is what turns you on and you get to see noses all the time and you know f- for other people who get turned on by genitals you know you, you know you're um, the thing that turns on the most is hidden most often so how lucky are the people who actually get to see what turns them on all the time. I just realized I went past my break. So I'm going to go to break. And when I come back, I'm going to get back on my rant about um, the judgment of all of this and what we can change around judging ourselves, each other, um, and and what we can change with regards to being having more space um, and receiving people more when we come back from break.
0: With body whisperer Milica Jelenic, you'll receive tools, inspiration, and a foundation to allow yourself to receive more in your sex life and quite possibly other areas of your life as well. Listen for The Pleasure Zone with Milica every Monday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 7 p.m. Central Time, 6 p.m. Mountain Time, and 5 p.m. Pacific Time on A2Zen.fm.
3: What does optimal cell health mean, and how can you create it? Pulsed Electromagnetic Field Therapy by Swiss Bionics can improve your well-being in every area of your life. The PEMF mat stimulates cells to move and create space between cells for optimal cell function. How does it get better than that? Use two to three times per day for eight minutes will improve circulation and immune function. Cell metabolism and repair begins, and mobility also will increase. Do you desire better health? If you're interested or would like a session, call 613-473-3805 or in Toronto. Call or text 416-253-1617. Monthly rentals start at only $300 per month. Is now the time to choose Optimal Cell Health?
0: This is The Pleasure Zone with body whisperer Milica Yelenich.
1: Hello everyone and welcome back to The Pleasure Zone. I'm your host, Milica Jelanić, and tonight we are talking about sex addiction, also known as nymphomania and also known as hypersexualness or hypersexuality. So one of the things in my research was that I found that uh, around 1970 is when they when Alcoholics Anonymous actually started to acknowledge that there is a similar lack of control and compulsivity with sexual behaviors um, as there is with alcohol. So they actually have developed 12 step programs. So, for those of you out there who like the 12 step programs, there are 12 step programs out of sex. Alcoholics, and when I did go to those, and um, sex addicts, and love and sex, and sex and love addicts, and a lot of them are cross addictions. So when I w- would go to these um, Al-Anon meetings, so Al-Anon is for the family and friends of alcoholics, I met a lot of people who would, you know, be, oh boohoo to the uh, to the sex addict to, you know, all addictions, but sometimes they were actually sex addicts, but they were, you know, pointing fingers at the alcoholic for their addiction. So what a lot of this is like saying is that there's something that they believe people are lacking in their lives. So my curiosity on that went to, so if there's something lacking, is it actually true? So can an infinite being lack anything? I was like, not really, does an infinite being lack anything or is it the body that requires and desires something? And part of it, too, is that they're saying um, part of the diagnosis with that is that there is a um, change in behavior. Sometimes it's a change in hormones. Uh, and if any of you have ever listened to any of the programs on this radio station, there's one. there was one um, that used to be called Talk to the Entities. And entities themselves... Um, now, take what you like from this, but entities themselves can often create a charge in the body. So they're in a, they, are when the energy of an entity, which can be anything, um, enters your body. So guess what? You're an entity. Uh enters your body. It creates an electrical charge, and that charge is actually what kind of gets you going. That's what keeps you alive, right? So you are an entity as well, but there's extra ones that kind of float around. So... Um, what if sometimes you're actually picking up on the energies of other things and acting them out that was kind of what i was playing with i'm like so what if a lot of people who have hypersexuality are actually super fucking psychic and picking up on all the thoughts and emotions of everyone and everything whether it's the cat outside that wants to hump the other cat or whether it's the tree that wants to send its seed to get pollinated like what or the flower or whatever it is, or the ants that are like doing it outside on your, you know, driveway, like whatever it is, what if you're that aware that you're actually picking up the sexualness of everything in the entire universe and what have you misidentified and misapplied as sexualness that you, you know, it actually is sexualness that you're interpreting as copulation. So wherever you're misinterpreting sexualness as copulation, will you destroy and uncreate at all times a godzillion. Right, wrong, good, bad, pock, pot, all nine, shorts, boys and beyond. So, anybody who's new to this show, um, if you've never heard me say that before, if you've never been on this radio station before, that little thing, right, wrong, good, bad, pockpot, pot, all nine, shorts, boys and beyond is a clearing statement from this consciousness, and you can find it on theclearingstatement.com. It just kind of clears the energy for what's coming up. And in this show, there tends to be a lot of stuff coming up, because there's a lot of stuff that we hide in our bodies, that we hide sexually, that we hide in our... St- in our uh, sex lives and also that we hide um, from ourselves about ourselves that we would actually like to choose. So it's not just in sex, but it does tend to come out a lot in that, that way. So with, um, with that is like, where have we misidentified and misapplied that, you know, our sexualness and what we're picking up as the sexual energy of the universe. And then we're saying, Oh, wait a minute. Um, That means, you know, sex, that means I'm going to go copulate. And what if that's not true? So what if you're just super freaking aware of all of that energy all around? And would you be willing to be aware of it? And would you be willing to have choice in whether you choose to act on it or not act on it? So when you just compulsively act on it, you're coming from a no-choice universe. And when you're aware of it and you go, wait a minute, oh, I just picked up on something and it's not mine. Now, you can utilize that energy if it's fun for you and pick up on the cats wanting to do it outside and go, I'm going to pick up on that energy and utilize it to to increase my sex drive. There's, you know, choose it. Um, When you're not aware of it and you're acting compulsively, then it's a no-choice universe. So would you be willing, if you find that any of this is relevant to you, to come from a choice Universe. So being aware of where you are, picking up anything that isn't yours and choose to utilize it or not utilize it to your advantage. So if there is this space that people are trying to fill, like the alcoholic filling the void in their life with alcohol uh, or feeling compelled to drink like they have no control over it. So if it's any of that, Would you be willing to look at it and ask, is this space or is this a void that I'm trying to fill? Because I bet you 99.9% of the time, you're actually being space for one of the first times that you're actually willing to perceive it and ask about it. And if you keep choosing space, that sense of void will actually disappear So you'll actually become aware of how much space you are. And the really cool thing is, the more space you perceive that you are and that you be, the more you can tap into, like, everything, right? So you can tap into the sensualness and the sexualness of the squirrels doing it somewhere in the park and go, oh, how fun, like that. Or, you know, the animals that just be that. Like watching a cat walk. Cats just, you know, when they're in top form and don't have a broken leg, they walk really sensually. So if you're willing to receive the sensualness of all the animals and the sexualness of all the animals, all the trees, all the beings and not act on it as if it was uh, compelled to now, oh, I've got all this sexual energy, I've got to go screw somebody. What if you can utilize it in so many various different ways? And what if it's choice and you can choose to go and have sex with it as much as you like? What if that's not a wrongness? So one of the things that I found fascinating too with that hole or void, to me was that energy of lack. And, And where that took me was, It's funny that, you know, if you, on one side of the norm, if you're excessive, it's a wrongness. If you don't have so much sex and you're choosing celibacy, which I chose for a number of years, if you're choosing celibacy, it's somehow revered. And it's like, wow, you pulled that off? Congratulations. Good for you, especially in certain religious and spiritual circles where that's highly revered. So it's funny that a lack of it is actually totally acceptable and allowed where excessive amounts of it totally judged so everywhere that we're making one of those right and one of those wrong can we destroy and uncreate all that times a godzillion right wrong good bad pock pot all nine shorts boys and beyond so everywhere you're making celibacy a rightness and tons of sex a wrongness and vice versa can destroy and uncreate all that times a godzillion Right, wrong, good, bad, pock, pot all nine, shorts, boys, and beyond. So that whole lack and that whole void, what I'm curious about is what would it be like if you perceive that space in your being, or that place where you thought you had a hole? And if there really is a void, would you be willing to just fill it with energy? So for any of you out there, um, just before we go to break... During break, would you be willing to just ask any part of you that actually has, that you perceive as being empty or requiring filling in any way to just flip with energy and then ask after that, is there anything else required? What if energy is actually what's really feeding you and you can fill it up with energy instead of alcohol, instead of, um, you know, random sex with strangers? What if you can fill that that space that's actually a really sweet space with more energy from everything and anything in the entire universe. So as we go to break, just allow yourself to receive more and more and more and more of that in your body, in your being.
0: Many of us have created a lot of limitations around sex and what we are willing to choose. Would you be willing to explore what has already been introduced as sexual practices on this planet? What else is possible beyond what we have already seen, heard, or thought of? What if now is the time for a totally different sexual revolution? Taking the taboo out of all aspects of sex, sexuality, and copulation. By tuning into The Pleasure Zone radio show with body whisperer Milica Yelenich, you you'll receive tools, inspiration, and a foundation to allow yourself to receive more in your sex life and quite possibly other areas of your life as well. Listen for The Pleasure Zone with Melitza every Monday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 7 p.m. Central Time, 6 p.m. Mountain Time, and 5 p.m. Pacific Time on A2Zen.FM.
2: What would you say if I told you that you could change your life in only one hour and all while lying down relaxing? Thousands of people all over the world have. What am I talking about? It's called Access Consciousness The Bars. The best thing that can happen is your whole life could change. Go to accessconsciousness.com today to find a facilitator to schedule a private session or to find a boys class in your area. Are you willing to give yourself an hour to change your life?
3: What does optimal cell health mean? And how can you create it? Pulsed Electromagnetic Field Therapy by Swiss Bionics can improve your well-being in every area of your life. The PEMF mat stimulates cells to move and create space between cells for optimal cell function. How does it get better than that? Use two to three times per day for eight minutes will improve circulation and immune function. Cell metabolism and repair begins, and mobility also will increase. Do you desire better health? If you're interested or would like a session, call 613-473-3805- or in Toronto, call or text 416-253-1617. Monthly rentals start at only $300 per month. Is now the time to choose Optimal Cell Health?
0: This is The Pleasure Zone with body whisperer Milica Yelenich. To participate in the program today, please call us in the U.S. Call 815-880-8255-TALK or Canada, 613-800-8736, or you can Skype us at A2Zen.fm. You can also make the choice to ask for comment by email by sending to Milica at com. Now, back to the program.
1: Hello, everyone. Welcome back to The Pleasure Zone. I'm your host, Milica Yelenich and tonight we're talking about sex addiction and nymphomania, and I called it, I Just Can't Get Enough?, And it's funny because I originally called it just can't get enough and my producers called it I just can't get enough. So how were they that I was going to come up with? I think I have some of these disorders. (laughs) So the fun part of that is like, you know, how many of us think that we have these disorders um, and, and they change, like these disorders change all the time. So um, when I was studying psychology, we ha- we were using the dsm 4 and the DSM is a Diagnostic Statistical Manual for Mental Disorders. So they change all the time. I think they're on like five or six now or something. Um, and every uh, every time they do a new version of it, something gets taken out or something gets changed. So in 1987, um, in the DSM, Three there was like everything about um, sexual disorders was considered um, inv- like sexual addiction was where it involved a succession of people who exist only as things to be used so later on it's kind of changed a bit and they took it out of um, a mental disorder and they put it into, they changed it and now it's more of a It's called a sexual disorder not otherwise specified. So it's not a mental disorder anymore. I suppose they tried every medication they could, but they just couldn't solve the fact that maybe these people are really freaking aware. So the new, newer description in 2000 was a distress about a pattern of repeated sexual relationships involving involving a succession of lovers who are experienced by the individual only as things to be used. So... You know, if you've been with somebody and you felt like you were just an object, well, maybe you were with a sex addict. How does it get better than that? (laughs) And also, um, so the latest and greatest on that that we have to date is um, that they're reintroducing it as a sort of a, well, sorry, it's the sexual addiction was rejected for inclusion in DSM-5. And what they do talk about, though, is hypersexuality is going to be likely in the newest edition. Um, And it has to do with compulsive everything, compulsive sexual behavior, compulsive masturbation, compulsive fixation of an attainable lover, unattainable lover. So, you know, um, could be like a rock star that you're never going to meet and you're just totally obsessed with them. So that is actually considered uh, the diagnosis. So. Then I look at like compulsion and like, what is compulsion? To me, it's like when I have an obsession with something, I actually have a keen awareness of it. And if I pull myself out of the obsession and look at it and ask like, what is this energy here? Like, what is it that I am so fixated on? Like, what is it? What is this? What can I do about it? Can it change? What can I do to change it? So when there's that fixation, sometimes it's like I'm super aware that somebody's actually super aware of me or I'm super aware that something's about to change. What can I do to change it? And can can I contribute anything right there to change it? So let's just take like um, sexual, something like sexual into that context. So, um, say you're obsessively uh, thinking about a partner and you just really, really want to get it on. You're just like, oh, my God, I can't think about anything. I can't hardly function all day because all I can think about is sex. Doesn't that actually classify most men as sex addicts? Because I think they actually have done some research and say that men think about sex like something like 15 times every minute or uh, something ridiculous, right? So all men are sex addicts, but, you know, women were different. So we actually have to have a different diagnosis because we're definitely obsessed because we enjoy it. And that's just a wrongness, of course, right? So Everything that brought up in my town is just trying to create at all times a godzillion. So, um, right, wrong, good, bad, pot, pot, all nine, shorts, boys, and beyonds. There's this, like, funny thing where we define what's sort of a normal. And and what I've noticed is that even though they write in these diagnostic manuals what's normal for men Uh, And women is apparently the same, like they're using the same diagnostic tools, but there is a reality that they then test men and find that men think about sex way more often than women. Whether that's true or not, I don't know. But if women think about it as much as men do, they're obviously obsessed and there's an issue. What if those women who are actually thinking about sex that often are super hyper aware and they're super hyper aware of men's thoughts, feelings and emotions or even about their bodies demanding, requiring, and requesting to be touched, to be nurtured, and to have facilitation. That was another part of what was coming up for me was like, what if people who are actually uh, sex so-called sex addicts are actually sexual healers? And what if, as sexual healers, they're just super hyper-aware of All the thoughts and emotions and all the energies around people and beings and bodies that are demanding and requesting facilitation from them. And without question, that's where the thing about compulsion comes in. Without question, they just kind of jump on it, literally, like jump on it. And so what if you don't have to uh, just be compulsive? You can step back and go, oh, wow, that's an interesting energy. Oh, so that is that something I can contribute to? Is that, is that mine? Whose is that? Oh, oh, that body's requesting um, facilitation. Oh, that body's requesting sexual facilitation. Oh, interesting. Can I choose this? Is, would this be easy? Would this be fun? Would I learn something? Would they be grateful? And would I be happy? And then the other one, will I get an STD? If you're doing anything that's actually compulsive, always good to ask some questions around that so that you can have more awareness and you can come from a place of choice rather than a place of compulsion. So these addictions are actually more of a compulsive behavior. And everything that I'm aware of about compulsion has to do with a no-choice universe. So what if there's always a choice universe? And it's a matter of stepping back and actually asking some questions so you can have more choice in your universe and how aware are you of the other person's desire for you so are you really an addict or are you super hyper aware of what somebody's some bodies many bodies are maybe requiring of you um what are you what to write about you that you're not getting like what if you have amazing capacities um and what if you've been made wrong for them your whole life so as a teenager i um was very aware of bodies. I really enjoyed bodies. Um I didn't have tons of boyfriends um growing up. I was like the awkward girl that was taller than most boys. Um my interesting point of view. So I, you know, I would I would definitely choose boys that I knew were uh, gonna be easy. And so in that, I was like, um I I easy as in I knew exactly what they required and desired. And how many of us have that capacity that you're just super hyper aware of what a person requires and desires, so you choose somebody who might be so-called easy for you because you know how to deliver what they're asking for. So what if that too is in a wrongness, and what if you are actually facilitating change in their body, for their body, and what contribution are they to you? So if you're choosing to be aware of it, it might actually wake you up to some capacities and abilities that you weren't even aware that you had? And what if it actually honors you? So what if none of this is a wrongness? And what if all of it comes down to choice and awareness? How much are you willing to be aware of other people's bodies uh, and of your body? And what if you're willing to question, what is this? Like, What is this energy that's coming up? What can I do with it? Can it change? What can I do to change it? And one of the things, too, is like looking at the body. So then I thought, okay, so sex addiction. And then we've got, well, people who are in the sex industry, their job is to have sex. Their job is to copulate with people and their job is to deliver. And it's funny because there's a lot of sympathy um, that will go out to women who are prostitutes, who are almost, um, they've created no choice universe, a lot of them. Some of them are in a choice universe, they really enjoy their job, but the majority are in a no-choice universe. Um, what makes that any different than addiction These women are just getting money for it, so if you get money for it, does it make it different? Somehow this money component has kind of got me laughing, because if I am obsessed with creating money, it's somehow okay. If I'm obsessed with Sex, not so okay. But if I'm obsessed with sex and then I get money for it, it's somehow okay again. So whatever that is coming up in my world, I'm just going to just try and uncreate that insanity because it keeps on sending me into this interesting circle of like, well, how can I make my choice is okay. And what if my choices are okay and I don't have to prove that to anybody or anything ever in my whole life? So if you've ever found that you're trying to prove that your choices are okay and they're correct, work for you, and you're choosing to do things that don't honor you um, or that you're coming from a no-choice universe because it's a compulsion to prove your rightness to people or your value to people, will you destroy and uncreate all of that? I'm Jodzillion right, wrong, good, bad, pock, pock, all nine, shorts, boys and beyonds, like what if you are, what if you are valuable, whatever it is that you're choosing, um, what if this addiction stuff is actually not so much an addiction rather than um, a lack of awareness, and if you can choose awareness and question, then you can actually create more in your world, in those worlds. I can't believe this hour is going by so fast. We've got about 10 minutes left and I'm about to head to break. So when I come back, um, I'm going to talk a little bit more about some other interesting things that I found and things I've been questioning. On, um, this, this sort of whole uh, adventure that I took myself on today on uh, hypersexuality, sex addiction, and nymphomania. Um, there's I watched a movie on Netflix about nymphomania. Months ago or a year ago, and that's kind of what got me started. So, if you, it's called nymphomania or nymphomaniac, and it's got subtitles. So, consider that on our way to break. Many of us have created a lot of limitations
0: around sex and what we are willing to choose. Would you be willing to explore what has already been introduced as sexual practices on this planet? What else is possible beyond what we have already seen, heard, or thought of? What if now is the time for a totally different sexual revolution? Taking the taboo out of all aspects of sex, sexuality, and copulation. By tuning into The Pleasure Zone radio show with body whisperer Milica Yelenich, you you'll receive tools, inspiration, and a foundation to allow yourself to receive more in your sex life and quite possibly other areas of your life as well. Listen for The Pleasure Zone with Melitza every Monday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 7 p.m. Central Time, 6 p.m. Mountain Time, and 5 p.m. Pacific Time on A2Zen.FM.
2: What would you say if I told you that you could change your life in only one hour and all while lying down relaxing? Thousands of people all over the world have. What am I talking about? It's called Access Consciousness The Bars. The best thing that can happen is your whole life could change. Go to accessconsciousness.com today to find a facilitator to schedule a private session or to find a Bars class in your area. Are you willing to give yourself an hour to change your life?
3: What does optimal cell health mean and how can you create it? Pulsed Electromagnetic Field Therapy by Swiss Bionics can improve your well-being in every area of your life. The PEMF mat stimulates cells to move and create space between cells for optimal cell function. How does it get better than that? Use two to three times per day for eight minutes will improve circulation and immune function. Cell metabolism and repair begins, and mobility also will increase. Do you desire better health? If you're interested or would like a session, Call 613-473-3805 or in Toronto. Call or text 416-253-1617. Monthly rentals start at only $300 per month. Is now the time to choose Optimal Cell Health?
0: This is The Pleasure Zone with body whisperer Melitza Yelenich To participate in the program today, please call us in the U.S., call 815-880-8255-TALK or Canada, 613-800-8736 or you can Skype us at A2Zen.fm You can also make the choice to ask for comment by email by sending to Melitza at Yelinich.com. Now, back to the program.
1: Hello everyone, welcome back to Pleasure Zone. I'm your host, Melitza Yelinich, and tonight we're talking about I just can't get enough. Sex addiction and nymphomania, uh, also known as hypersexuality, and it's considered a philia, so it's uh, like a sexual considered a sexual disorder. Um, although that's changing, and through time and through the ages, it's changed a lot, and the definition of it has changed a lot. So, um, if you'd like some info on it, if you just listen to the beginning of the show, I kind of went into the history of it. One of um, one of the things that I also was wondering is like, is it actually an issue? Like, are we turning something that isn't an issue into an issue? And how many times do we do that? What if there's actually no issue? And I've been to a lot of classes where I watch these like brilliant people get up and they ask questions. Um, and some of them are actually looking for the wrongness of them so that they have some kind of platform to spring from. What if there's no wrongness in anything about you? And so what if you don't require... Uh, a healing crisis in order to create? What if you don't require, um, you know, acknowledging a wrongness so that you can move past? What if where you are right now is you, an amazing being, this beautiful, amazing being, and right from this space, you can create more space, and you can create more and more and more from that space. So what if, you don't actually have to look back. What if you don't have to look deep? What if you just be and receive more of you and more of you and more of you and more of you and not judge that? So if more of you means that you love working 24 hours a day, if more of you means that you, know, you, you thoroughly enjoy sex often, like five times a day, what if all of this comes down to choice and awareness? And what if... All of it comes down to when you're you're having a choice universe, you're coming from a choice universe, your whole life can be completely different than when you're coming from a compulsion. So that compulsion is what actually is unawareness. It's coming from stupidity. It's like no choice universe, and so you're choosing to be unaware. So what if you could have your behaviors, like drink your wine and choose from awareness? What would be different? Would you actually maybe not drink as much? Would you drink something different? If you're coming from awareness, would you choose to compulsively have sex with all different people all the time? Or would you choose to acknowledge your body and what your body requires and not judge it? So what if all of it comes down to its choice, its awareness? And as long as you're coming from that choice place, that you're not coming from a compulsion You can, you know, my point of view, you can probably have a lot more fun and a lot more ease in your life, uh, a lot less stress. So if you took 10 seconds, even just 10 seconds to step out of a compulsion and become aware of it and go, wow, what is this? Oh, ah, what can I do with it? Oh, who does that belong to? Oh, can it change? What can I do to change it? Oh, it's not even mine. Cool. So if you become aware of all of it, and then you become aware of the space that you be, and not try to fill it with the drugs or the alcohol or sex or chopping what, or, or whatever you're trying to fill it with, and you expand that space that you be to be even bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger, and, bigger and include everything and everyone in the entire universe, would you not feel a little bit of communion with everything? Just a little bit. Like, would you not feel maybe satiated a little bit by the entire universe and receiving energy from the entire universe? I know I do. And I know that when I'm compulsive and I'm acting compulsively and I'm not in question, I just go into idiot mode. So I know I'm not the only one. Um, So if if you do find yourself doing that, and you're going into idiot mode and you're judging the crap out of yourself for it, would you just take 10 seconds and go, okay, wait a minute, what else is possible here? And wait a minute, I actually have choice. Do I actually have choice? I do actually have choice. What would I choose? If I was being, if I was truly being me, what would I choose here? So sometimes in these addictions, compulsions, like if I was truly being me, what would I choose? If I was truly, truly being me, would I choose to copulate with every stranger under the sun? Probably not. I just might be aware that every stranger under the sun might be really horny, but I may not choose to fulfill all of their wishes, dreams, and desires in the sack. So, you know, if you're truly being you, would you drink 14 bottles of wine in a night? Or would you kind of go, oh, I'm drinking for Joe down the street and for Mary down the street and for that whole family of newfies down the road and for everybody else? I just brought up a whole bunch of judgments there. So what if you don't? have to drink for everybody and everything in the entire universe or judge where it's coming from. And it doesn't even matter where it's coming from. It's not yours. Are you willing to not choose it? And if it does contribute to you, are you willing to allow it to contribute to you? I love you all. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, if you'd like to know when my classes are coming up, go to com. That's dot ccom Thank you so much for listening. I look forward to having you guys on next week when we're going to talk about the jade egg. Guess what that is? You'll never know. It's so fun. I'm so looking forward to my guest that week.
0: Thank you for choosing to listen to The Pleasure Zone. Melissa Yelinich will return next Monday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 7 p.m. Central, 6 p.m. Mountain, and 5 p.m. Pacific on a 2 FM. We hope you'll join us. Until then, have the best week of your life by choosing to be turned on and tuned in to your body.